Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's gospel reading, as we have heard it, is a wonderfully miraculous, sorrowful, and ultimately awe-inspiring account of how the lives of two people were eternally transformed when they meet Jesus. And their stories here in Mark chapter 5 are beautifully woven together in a way that cannot happen by chance. Only God could orchestrate such a powerful encounter. Today actually leads us into a sermon series, as I mentioned earlier, that we will begin next Sunday and will take us through the entire month of July. It's called Meet Jesus, Our Unchanging God. We will focus on the the identity of who Jesus is and who he is always for us. And and we'll walk together through Mark chapter 6, spending that, that month going through that pivotal chapter of Mark's gospel. And we will all be invited by our Lord Jesus through his word to meet him once again, to know him better and to see him at work in our lives. By the way, I'd encourage everyone to bring their Bibles to church starting next week, if you'd like, so that you may follow along or take notes or whatever is most helpful for you as we go through that series together. And and perhaps also it would be a great time for you to share our online services or sermons with someone that you know, or maybe even invite them with you to church. But as we look today at what happens immediately leading up to Mark chapter 6, in Mark chapter 5, we find two people who, like I said, their lives were altered after their encounter with Jesus. A ruler of the synagogue named Jairus and an unnamed woman suffering for 12 years. And, And much can be said about both of these individuals. Much can be said about this entire passage. But for our purposes, I'm going to be focusing on Jairus, this leader of the Jews who falls down at the feet of Jesus as we talk about two things today, fear and faith. Jairus knew two things very well in his life. First of all, Jairus knew fear. Fear of events and circumstances in this life that are well beyond his control, and yet very much the things that are shaping his entire reality. You see, Jairus' daughter was sick. She was very sick. In fact, Jairus told Jesus that his little girl was at the point of death. And whether you've experienced the soul-crushing reality of a sick child or can sympathize with the anguish that a parent going through something like that, we can all imagine what Jairus was feeling. He was afraid. He was terrified of the things that he knew was not his to fix, of the thing that he knew was not his to control. But Jairus also knew something else. Jairus knew faith. He knew that while he could do nothing about his daughter's illness, there was someone who could. He had heard the reports spreading about Jesus. He may have even witnessed or examined the miraculous evidence. And so it caused Jairus to come to only one conclusion. He knew that he was wholly and entirely dependent 
on the one who could do something about his daughter. Faith relies on the one who could do something. The one for whom we must risk everything for. The one upon whom we must depend. Because in this life, we have no other choice. And Jairus had no other choice. He knew what it was to have both fear and faith in his life. And so do we. It's actually the most basic description of our human existence as Christians, walking that line between fear and faith. Fear of the things in this world that we do not control, but faith in the one we know is in control of all things. Now, what's truly important for us to to understand today, what I'd really like to get across, is this concept that we do not choose the things that we are afraid of, nor do we choose the things that cause us to have faith. Let's start with fear. One of the greatest illusions and traps that a person can have in this life is to think that they are ultimately in charge. But if you really think about it, there is so little in our lives that we actually control. Yes, people think that they are making the plans and executing the procedures to shape their life the way they want it to be. But it only takes one moment for that house of cards to come crashing down. One overdue bill, one relationship with a family member or friend that disintegrates before our eyes, one temptation to sin and a moment of weakness, one impossibly difficult conversation with your spouse, one car accident, one hospitalization, one illness, one funeral that we hoped would never come. Ask the loved ones of the people who are still missing or confirmed dead in that condo in Miami that collapsed this past week. How in control of their lives they feel at this moment. But the reality is events like this should serve as a wake-up call. The events like this simply reveal what is true for all of us all of the time. That we are not in control of our lives and the things that cause us to be afraid. Which is exactly what Jairus knew full well as he fell at Jesus' feet. But as I said, we do not choose to have faith either. That's what Lutherans believe and teach. We do not choose God. He must first choose us. We do not invite him into our hearts. Faith first and foremost begins with a promise and an action that originates with God alone. That while we were still sinners, scripture says, Christ died for us. And so you received completely passively The salvation won for you by Jesus Christ. It was delivered to you by God in your baptism. And your faith has been continually strengthened by God's ongoing activity in his word and sacraments for you. You are not responsible for the faith that has been gifted to you. Which, by the way, is why you can trust it. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. We are all thankful recipients of the unearned mercy and grace from God our Father 
through Jesus Christ. So when it comes to talking about fear and faith, we realize we are truly not in control. We are the people whom God created us to be. No more, no less. We are utterly dependent upon him. Jairus didn't choose the circumstances that caused him to fear, but he also didn't choose to have faith. His only other choice was to have no faith at all. But that wasn't an option, you see. He had to believe. Jesus was the only one he knew that could help him, and therefore Jairus could only turn to Jesus. Which is why then, Jesus' words to Jairus are so surprising. And we might even say they are so utterly astounding. While Jairus and Jesus were traveling back to the house, some messengers arrived, and no doubt they would have been the last people that Jairus would have wanted to see at that moment. And they said to him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus, overhearing what was said, he didn't hesitate for a moment. He immediately says to Jairus, do not fear. Only believe. Two commands. Do not fear. Only believe. But these words of Jesus seem so unreasonable when you think about it. How could Jairus not be afraid? After all, he didn't ask for his daughter to be sick or to have died? Was Jesus assuming that, that there was something Jairus could do about his fear? And as we've discussed, Jairus also wasn't responsible for his faith. Jairus couldn't motivate his own spirit to, to believe anymore or to be any stronger. We don't have that capability as human beings. We simply receive faith from God. So then, what was Jesus asking of Jairus? How could he not Fear. How could he only believe? Was Jesus being unreasonable? You see, that's an important question for us to answer. Because after all, Jesus has the same expectation of us. Do not fear, only believe. You see, fear is not an excuse to play the part of a helpless victim. Yes, things happen in this world without our consent, but God still expects us to live our lives of faith in response. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is desperate. Fear is without hope. Left unchecked, fear will breed doubt in your mind and attack your faith. Fear will paralyze you and pervert you and prevent you from being the person that God has called you to be. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Jesus says that we are to control the fear in our lives and drive it out. Now, it's not as if Jesus doesn't know full well this dual reality of both fear and faith in our lives and the claim that both fear and faith has on us. Jesus came to this earth to be one of us, after all. And so he knows what we know. 
Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And yet Jesus commands us to stop fearing and to keep on believing. What you did not choose, neither fear nor faith, Jesus expects you to manage. It is your responsibility. But still, how does that work? How is that even possible? Well, let's turn again and look at our gospel reading. Let's look again at Jairus. When Jesus tells him, do not fear, only believe, do you think that Jairus was able to say, oh, okay, and then was able to reach down deep inside himself and turn off that fear switch and so that there was no more fear? Well, it's very unlikely that that's true. And I don't think that's what Jesus was expecting of him either. Instead, when Jesus tells Jairus, do not fear, only believe, Jesus was pointing Jairus in the midst of his fear to the most important aspect of our fear-faith reality. That in the midst of all of our fears, of all the things that are beyond our control that can cause us to be afraid, in that moment, we look and believe in and depend on the only one who can conquer our fear. You see, when it comes to saving faith, it's not a matter of how much you believe or how strong your faith is. Rather, everything, everything hinges upon the one in whom your faith trusts. And in Jairus' case, his faith could only trust in Jesus. And because of that, he was able to walk into that house, listening to Jesus' command to not fear, only believe. He was able to go with his wife and the three disciples with his eyes entirely fixed on Jesus as he watched as the seemingly insane and otherwise unreasonable request of Jesus became then the true description of his reality. No fear, only faith. Jesus reached out his hand, and amidst the laughter of all the doubters, Jesus took the hand of the little girl who died and said, Talitha kumi, little girl, arise. And she was restored to life. With his eyes fixed on Jesus, Jairus realized that there was no fear, only faith. And for us, our faith can only look to Jesus as well. He is the one, the only one, who can make this seemingly insane and otherwise unreasonable request become the true description of our reality. Jesus bore all our sins. He died on the cross in our place. He rose again to everlasting life, never to die again. And Jesus is the one alone who has the ability to drive away our fear. He alone has all power and authority over everything that might cause us to fear in this world or in the life of the world to come. And so in the face of our fears, amidst all the possible doubts, Jesus then says to us, do not fear, only believe. 
And we do, because it's Jesus. Now, what this doesn't mean is that the things that cause us to fear in this world suddenly go away. It also doesn't mean that just because we have faith, God owes us a miracle. After all, the miracles that we so desperately desire and pray for at times, they don't always come. Jairus received a miracle. The woman who had been suffering for 12 years received a miracle, but we don't always receive a miracle. And Jesus doesn't promise that we will. But if we look closer, once again, as wonderful as the miracles were in Mark chapter 5, those two families received a gift that was even greater than the miracles that Jesus performed. Both the woman and Jairus came to Jesus looking for a miracle, but they walked away with something far superior. They both came looking for a miracle, but they walked away with a Savior. Jesus turned to the woman who was at the very end of her line, who only wanted to touch Jesus' garment so that she might be healed, and she was. But Jesus turned and looked to her and said, Daughter, your faith has saved you. You see, the little little girl was raised, and the woman was healed. But even if Jesus hadn't performed those miracles, the true miracle was that they were given faith to believe in the one who brings eternal life. And we have been given the same faith. We have been given the certain hope to look forward to the day when Jesus will heal our bodies and raise us eternally. The hope in the day when all sin and all disease and all death and everything that may cause us to fear, those things will be put away forever. The hope in the day when Jesus will return and welcome us into eternal life in both body and soul. The hope in the day when we will fear no more because the object of our faith will finally and fully be visible to our own eyes. The day when we will see our Lord Jesus Christ and the life that he has prepared for us. Our hymn of the day put it like this. O Christ, who shared our mortal life and ended death's long reign, who healed the sick and raised the dead and bore our grief and pain, we know our years on earth are few, that death is always near. Come now to us, O Lord of life. Bring hope that conquers fear. You see, until the day when Jesus returns again, there will be plenty of things that cause us to fear. They are all still here in this fallen life and in this fallen world. Death is still here. But so is Jesus. And he has given you faith to believe. Because he has given himself to you. And Jesus is always enough, so that you need not fear. Only believe. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.